salvation is found in no one else. For there is no name in heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Amen. Let's stand together and enjoy the presence of the Lord in this place this morning.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Aren't you glad that God is always up to something good? Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'll be reading today from the Psalms, Psalms 25, a Psalm of David. He says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. That's verses 1 through verse 5. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for blessing us with yet another glorious day. We thank you, Lord, for you are the giver of life. Father God, your word says it's in you that we live, in you that we move. It's in you, O oh God, that we have our very being. Everything that we have of any worth comes from our Father of lights above. So we say thank you, dear God. This day we just want to say hallelujah, Jesus, for all that you've done and all that we believe you're going to do in our lives according to your blessed word. Father, we ask that you watch over us today. As we venture out today to worship you, to lift up the name of Jesus, keep us safe, O God, from all hurt, harm, and danger. Let no weapon formed against your children prosper. And may every tongue that rise up against us in judgment be condemned according to your word. Cover us with your feathers, O God. Let us feel your favor, your blessings, your mercy, your grace. For all these come from you unto you who we love and adore. Lord, we have faith. In you, our hearts are fixed like flint. We know that you will not keep any good thing from us and you will keep us from the adversities of life that we not stumble upon them. Father, we ask that you give your angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. Preserve us from evil. Bless us exceedingly. May our leaves not wither. May everything we touch from this day forth prosper. And may we bring forth good fruit in this our season. Bless our church, both campuses, and bless all our church members. Bless the house of God in general. And bless our pastors, Roger and Pastor Sharon, as they go forth to lead us into your work and into your glory. This we humbly ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey CTC family, I'm Casey. And I'm Matt, and we've got this week's news. Two years ago, we combined our ministry with the congregation in Wilmington, and our Ellesmere campus was born. As we continue to fulfill our mission to love God and love people so that all people might experience the life-changing love of Jesus, we have set a plan in motion to see that happen. Our goal over the next year is to see a congregation of 75 worshiping at that campus. Our strategy is to invite, connect, apprentice, and send. Would you pray about a commitment to our ministry at our Ellesmere campus? To find out more, just go to ctcde.net slash go and complete the form. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused changes in nearly every facet of our lives. 
unemployment is up and the approach to job searching has changed dramatically. In the month of July, we will be forming a new life group called Connection. The group will meet weekly on Zoom and will be led by Debbie Smith. Topics to be discussed will include resume writing, personal branding, and LinkedIn interviewing. To find out more information, contact Debbie Smith at 302-456-9329 or email her at DebbieSmith10 at gmail.com. When This Embraced, a series by Tony Evans from Right Now Media, seeks to promote a biblical understanding of the kingdom foundation of oneness by detailing why we don't have it, what we need to do to get it, and what will it look like when we live in it. Discussing topics like unity, history, culture, and social justice, Evans looks to the scriptures for the balance between righteousness and justice that is crucial for applying in this generation and in training the next. If you are not already connected to Right Now Media, simply text Right Now CTCDE to 41411 and you will receive instructions on how to get started enjoying this and thousands of other study resources. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email your request to prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. And good morning. I want to welcome all of you. I want to welcome you this morning uh, for this time. Hope you listened to those announcements uh, carefully because there's important information on there. I like what Matthew uh, and Matthew and oh, who's the other one? Casey, thank you. Sorry, Casey. She's listening downstairs. Said about our, our our work at the Ellesmere campus that we love God, we connect with one another and with God in small groups. We serve, we tell others about Jesus, and we give our resources generously. And uh, so we want to talk about that just for a minute. That uh, uh, they're offering envelopes on the table as you came in the building. Uh, this this morning, and you can take one of those, pick one up on the way out, fill it out, uh, put your offering in it, and then there's a basket by the by the door as you leave where you can give. Of course, there's always online giving that you can do. Uh, go to our CTC uh, website, ctcde.net, and uh, or use your phone, and you can give that way as well. So good to see so many of you here this morning in, in present. I want you to know that the little the little bottles of hand sanitizer. Go ahead and take that home with you. Give it to somebody who needs it and uh, use it. Also, these neck gaiters that we have that have the CTC logo on them are on the table out there. Go ahead and pick one of those up if you want one of those. You need one. Uh, put it in the car in case you forget going someplace and you need one quickly. There it is. That's what we're here for. Let's take a moment and pray before we give to God and continue worshiping God through singing. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning and for gathering us together, your people, whether we're here in the building or online, God. We thank you for your community. We ask your Holy Spirit once again to fill us with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
May his favor go before you and a thousand generations and your families and their children and their children and their children and their children and their children. What a wonderful, beautiful God we serve. What a blessing this song is. A blessing over God's people right from the heart of God to you and you and you and me and you and you and all of us. look to the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day, this beautiful, marvelous day that you've made. Thank you for making us, each of us, and all of us, your chosen people, to tell about your good qualities that you have called out of the darkness into your marvelous light. Father God, let us be your instruments, your instruments of peace, instruments of love let us be the hands the eyes and the feet that proclaim your name and do your good works to all the nations father as we prepare our hearts and minds for the message this day please let us run forth from this place once you have given us your word from on high sharing the gospel with others We thank you for this man-servant of God, our pastor, 
that you have sent here to this house to be our shepherd. Thank you for giving him a good word, Father God. And thank you for that word not falling on fallow ground. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, like you said, like aren't other religions more like work-based while ours is relationship-based? So if you want a relationship with someone, you work for it in a way. Well, yeah, you work to build that relationship, and then when you die, you want to be closer. Of course, you want to be closer to God. I think that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with with Christianity is, you know, the fact that we dare to say that God wants to have a relationship with us and and it almost in their eyes is bringing God down to our level when it's, it's really God who chose to come down to our level which is audacious it's insane Indeed, God has chosen to come down to our level, and God is with us. So we're continuing to ask questions, questions that people have asked, not always easy questions. I'm sure you've heard the question from at work or from your family members or, or as, you, as you were growing up. But today's question that we're addressing is this. Don't all religions lead to the same place? Another way to ask that question is, aren't all religions basically the same? And uh, it's, a, it's a question. There are, there are many world religions, and all of us have our own system of beliefs. What makes Christianity unique in them all? Aren't they all the same? I wanna, that's a question. It's a, it's a natural question for people to ask. And uh, I think Ravi Zacharias Ministries has a great a- uh, answer to the question. And this is probably the most concise answer that you'll get. But It's not the end of the message when we're done with this, even though he kind of gives the answer. But let's listen to Ravi Zacharias Ministries uh, answer that question. A common claim I sometimes hear is that all the religions of the world are essentially the same. How might we respond to that suggestion? Well, imagine a friend were to come to you and say, hey, I've been busy reading of late, and in fact, I've read every book in every library in the entire world, and I have come to the conclusion that every book by every author in every genre is telling exactly the same story. Every book is the same. What would you say to your friend? I think you would immediately conclude that your friend has gone balmy, that they can't possibly have read all of the books, because if they did so, they would obviously discover the books are different. Well, the same goes for religion. When somebody says to me they believe that all the religions in the world are essentially the same, my instant conclusion is they haven't studied any of them carefully. Because when you do so, when you investigate the different religions of the world, you discover they are saying, they are claiming wildly different things. Let me give you just one example. For the last 20 years or so, I've been studying Islam. In fact, I got a PhD in Quranic studies, largely because I wanted to understand the faith of my Muslim friends better. But the more I studied Islam, the more I began to discover that uh, Islam teaches not just something slightly different to Christianity, it teaches something profoundly different to Christianity. In fact, on every major teaching of the Christian faith, Islam teaches virtually the opposite. Let me give you just one simple example. At the heart of the Christian faith, 
lies the claim that sometime round about AD 30, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on a Roman cross. Or the Quran in chapter 4, verse 157, flat out denies that any such crucifixion took place. Thus we have a problem. The Gospels, the Christian Bible, teaches that Jesus was crucified. The Quran denies that he was crucified. Well, either he was or he wasn't. You can't reconcile, you can't harmonize those two claims, and thus you're forced to a conclusion. Either Christianity is true, or Islam is true, or they're both false. But the one thing they cannot both be is true, because they contradict one another. Well, if it's, tr- if it's true that the different religions of the world then are vastly different, how do we navigate the maze? There are so many different religions out there making so many different claims. Well, guess what? It means we need to do some thinking. We need to do some reading. We need to wrestle with some of the big questions of life. And we need to put the different religions to the test. I'd suggest that perhaps you begin with Christianity, for which the evidence is greater, I believe, than any other religion. How might you put Christianity to the test? Well, read the Gospels. Look at the claims of Jesus and see whether they stand up. Pretty simple illustration. Put Jesus to the test. Pretty simple challenge. Put Jesus to the test. Test his claims. In, in that. Well, that's a, that's a lot of logic in that, and you can think about that some more. But before we go in any deeper, let's take a break from that and think about what's true and what's false. And since it's summertime, many of us are probably cooking some hot dogs. I wonder if you know some of these facts about hot dogs. And so uh, here's, here's a little game, two faults game, uh, called Suns Out, Buns Out. We're talking about hot dog buns. And so I'm going to show you a, show you a picture uh, uh, with, that has a that has a statement on it, and you decide whether or not you think it's true or false. And if you're with a partner, uh, with somebody, you can keep score to see, who, to see who wins. So the first question is this one. Ketchup is the most popular hot dog condiment. Is that true or is that false? Ketchup is the most popular hot dog condiment. The answer is... Go ahead. What's the answer? Show the answer. False. Mustard is the most popular answer. Ketchup is second to mustard. And if you live in different parts of the country, you know that you don't ever put ketchup on a hot dog. You put mustard on a hot dog. Next one. In New Zealand, they do not eat hot dogs in bun, in buns, but typically they eat them on a stick. Is that true or false? Um, the answer is true. They batter it and eat it more like a corn dog. That's interesting. All right. Cultural for us today. Between Memorial Day and Labor Day, Americans consume 7 million hot dogs. Is that true or false? Truth is, it's false. It's more like 7 billion. Keep eating those dogs. Fourth one, the Coney Island record for most hot dogs and buns eaten are 72 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. True or false? That is true. The record is held by competitor Joey Chestnut. It's true. Number five, hot dogs have been eaten in space. True or false? The answer is true. In fact, Apollo 11 astronauts enjoyed eating 
hot dogs more than they enjoyed the fried ice cream, the freeze-dried ice cream, fried ice cream. I like fried ice cream. That's good, too. Number six, the largest seller of hot dogs is 7-Eleven, true or false? The answer is true. They sell over 100 million hot dogs every year. What is the world's most expensive hot dog? The most world's most expensive hot dog is eighty nine dollars. Is that true or false? That is false. It was one hundred and sixty nine dollars sold in Seattle, Washington. And get this. The cheese bratwurst was smothered in butter. I can't even say all this. Butter teriyaki, grilled onions, maitake mushrooms, wagyu beef, foie gras, shaved black truffles, caviar and Japanese mayonnaise in a brioche bun. Kind of like two all beef paste, but it's also cheese because it's necessary bun. The longest hot dog. How about the longest hot dog? Over a thousand feet. True or false? That is false. It was only 669 feet in Paraguay. Maybe Paraguay wasn't big enough. I don't know. Next one. A businessman coined the phrase hot dog in 1901. True or false? False. <laughs> a cartoonist named Tad Dorgan. Got to read it from there. Heard vendors selling red hot dachshund sausages at a baseball game and drew a cartoon of a real dachshund covered in mustard. However, he did not know how to spell the word dachshund. I'm not sure how to pronounce it in this in his cartoon. So he just captioned it. Get your hot dog. And it stuck. There we go. Or didn't read it right last night. All right, last question. Who's winning? Are you keeping score at your table? In your house? How you doing, Avery? Are you winning? You getting them? Mickey Mouse made a living selling hot dogs. True or false? Mm, going to be some debate about this one. The answer, according to this test, is true. In earlier animations, Mickey Mouse is shown selling hot dogs at a carnival. Woohoo! So whoever lost has to buy the winner a hot dog this afternoon and go have fun. I don't have any. Sorry. True and false. This is we're, we're, we're in a we're in a question of we've got this religion. We've got that religion. We've got this claim. We have that claim. And if we really do study the religions together, we have to we have to face the reality that that they have conflicting claims. Jesus was either killed on a cross as a criminal or he wasn't. He can't be both things. And, and we look at the religions. And, and I agree with the, the, the speaker that if people come to me and say, well, all religions, I believe all religions are basically the same. Well, that just tells me that you really haven't studied all religions. I haven't even studied all religions. And how arrogant of me to to proclaim that I am the expert on all religions. There always is some doubt, isn't there? You've got to trust in something and someone. Several years ago, uh, a member of the church and I had lunch with a Muslim woman. She was active in in an ecumenical group of churches in the area and we had lunch with her and it was just the three of us it was my lay uh, lay member uh, from my church and me and and this muslim woman Uh, we sat down had a lovely lunch at a turkish restaurant in binghamton new york and I i was enjoying that we had a great conversation and i asked her one day i said do you believe that christianity and 
Islam worship the same God? Immediately, she answered, that depends on who you believe Jesus is. I said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. She said, we do not believe in the same God. And it was as clear as that. So it would be arrogant and it would be offensive even for me to look at her and tell her that Christianity and Islam are the same. And so it does not build relationships for us to do that. And we have to see uh, which one is true or false. We have to make a decision about which we believe. And humanity is created in the image of God. And since God created us as thinking people, we can assume also that God is a thinking and a rational God. So we can use reasoning uh, in our faith. God gave us the ability to reason. And I think we're not using, we're not good stewards of who God created us to be if we don't think. We hear people say, well, think, faith is for people who can't think. That is absolutely not true. And, and, and we have to think because God created us as thinking people. How could we as human beings think being created in the image of God if God was also not a rational God? So let's look at Jesus' own words about who he says he is. And to do that, let's turn to John chapter 14 uh, in our Bibles, uh, John chapter 14, 1 through 11. You see that you, 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 we didn't put the Bibles out because that's another surface for you to touch. So you've got to bring your own Bible to church. Right, Daniel? <laughs> right, Catherine? Yes. Did she say yes? I thought she did. Good job, Catherine. John 14. Beginning with verse 1. Jesus says, now I'm going to set this up a little bit. Remember that this chapter in John 14 is part of this section of Jesus speaking to his disciples in the upper room during the Last Supper. What does that mean? That means these are Jesus' last words to his disciples. Maybe not the final last words, but this is his last conversation that he has with his followers. You would think that this would be significant, right? I would. If, if I'm spending, if, I, if I've got a week, I know, uh, you know, I, I'm dying of something and I, and I know that that day is coming, not exactly sure, but we, we can see it. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to say some things to my family. And I don't want to leave this world without saying certain things. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, as we hear that phrase, do not let your hearts be troubled. There is a lot of trouble that can be had in this world, right? And we say to people, don't worry about it. Don't be troubled about it. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't allow your hearts to be troubled. And I, I transposed or I tra- translated the word let as allow because the word let implies that you've got a choice. You have, you, you have to exert your own will in uh, allowing or disallowing trouble to come into your heart. It's, it's like there's a doorway and we have, we're, we're the only ones that have our hand on the knob. There's no knob on the other side. Trouble doesn't have a knob on the door. 
We walk through life. There's no, there's no knob on that side of the door. And if we allow trouble to come in, it comes in because we're the ones that have allowed that to come into our lives. We don't have to do that. Jesus says, don't allow trouble to come into your hearts. But instead, trust in God. So Jesus contrasts allowing trouble to come in our hearts with trusting in God. So when we are allowing, when we are, when we are discontent, when we are upset, when we, we, are, uh, we are not allowing God to come in and we're not trusting God, we're trusting the trouble. <laughs> I don't know how we do that, but we're trusting something else. And I catch myself. These have been stressful days for all of us through the COVID-19 and through the, 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 the race riots and the relationships that we have with, with all people. And, and we wonder, God, this is troubling. So here's a good question. How are we allowing that trouble to come into our hearts? And how are we allowing ourselves to close that? How are we trusting in God with all these things? Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. He says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. And he says, if this were not so, in other words, if this were false, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He says, in my father's house are, are many rooms. And I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. I want to give you a little background to this kind of language that Jesus is using. And I've said this before, but I think it's important as we hear these words. Jesus is talking about being married. He's talking about the engagement process in those days. Because in those days when somebody, when a young man wanted to marry a young woman, he would go to the father of the, of the bride he wanted to be. And he would ask if she could marry him. I won't tell you about the whole, the whole ritual that they go through. But if she agrees, the groom will then say, I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a room for you and me to live together forever. And when my father tells me that that room is ready and I've done my work, I'm going to come and get you. And I'll bring you home with me and we will be together. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying God and the church, the church is the bride of Christ. And he's saying to us, I'm going to come back and get you. You were always meant to be with me. Will you? Receive this relationship that I've that I'm inviting you to enter into. And if it and if I wasn't going to my father's house to build a place for you, why would I even tell you that I'm going to do so? Jesus does not lie to us. Jesus doesn't lie. Then Jesus says, and you know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. As if Jesus, we can't read your mind. I love the reality of the disciples. They're down-to-earth people. They're just like you and me. Some of us. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Give me the map, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus says plainly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one 
can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, he said, you would have known, you would know who my father is. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now, this gets Philip and Philip says, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, and you can hear the you can hear the both the urgency and a little bit of distress in Jesus. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father's who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Jesus is saying, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. Look what God does. Now, the Jewish people of those days, the leaders were angry with Jesus because they knew very well that Jesus was claiming to be God. How did Jesus claim to be God? Because he did the things that they knew only God would do. And that is to forgive. That is to heal. That is That is to raise from the dead. Only God could do those things, and Jesus did them. So it's easy for Jesus to look at Philip and say, You have seen me. You have seen God. At least believe in the work that I do. At least. At least believe that this person who was sick but is now healed was done so by the grace of God. Whether that healing, now some might say, well, the healing came through a physician, a surgeon's knife. The healing came through, through a psychiatrist. The healing came through medication. Okay, you can go with that excuse for a point. But where did the medication come from? Where did the skill of the surgeon come from? Where did the brain for that surgeon come from? Where did, where, what? It wasn't just Plunked down there, God created us. And so we can follow it all the way. Look at the evidence of who Jesus is. If you can't believe believe in me, if you can't believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father, at least believe what you see with your eyes, what you hear with your ears, what you touch. Was this person dead, but now they're alive? Was this person sick, but now they're well? Yes. God brings healing and Jesus brings God to us. Jesus, truth is a reality. At one point, I remember in my education philosophy class or or whatever, there was this big discussion and learning about truth being relative. In other words, the truth is only based on your own perception of truth. There is a point to that. That has some merit, but it doesn't hold forever. There has got to be truth outside of our own perceptions because there are many things that are real even though I don't perceive them. When you're not in the room, do you cease to exist? I don't see you. And I could say, my wife, I say, I can't see my wife. Carol, oh, there she is. She's back there. She won't be in the next service. My son Ryan is here this morning. I didn't know he was going to be here. He's wearing a dark shirt and a dark. I can't see him sitting back there. The lights are too bright. He doesn't exist. Yes, he does. 
And it's not just a memory of my son in my mind. Ryan is really here. You can hear him talking about me. (laughs) We do that. Truth is reality. Jesus' whole appeal to the reality of God is through relationship. As Rebecca said on the on the screen at the very beginning of the of the message, she and Chrissy having that conversation. I was I was amazed, Chrissy and and, and Rebecca, that that's where you guys. I didn't prime that those, them to have those conversations. We just gave them the questions and said, "Here, have some conversation about this, and and we'll record you." I didn't know that they were going to talk about relationship. And it's exactly what Jesus is is bringing us to, because we cannot experience the truth of God without a relationship with God. And if we say, well, I don't believe there is a God. How do you know you have no relationship with God? And you won't know until you have a relationship with God. And you get a relationship with God by having a relationship with God's Son, Jesus. Jesus is the way. And if this is the claim that Jesus makes, the only way to test that claim is to trust Jesus. If you want to cross the Chesapeake Bay, you have to follow one of several options. And there are several ways to get across the Chesapeake Bay. But let's pretend that there was only one bridge across the Chesapeake. You didn't have a boat. There was only one way across the Chesapeake to get over to the other side. Two years ago, my daughter, Emily, was flying home from spring break. She and her boyfriend were coming home. It was probably early March, and they were flying into BWI, uh, into Baltimore. And it happened to be a weekend when when a huge, strange storm was coming through the northeast. And... Uh, so I got in the car, their plane landed maybe 5.30, 6 o'clock in the evening, and so uh, I knew that the weather would be bad, so I gave myself probably two hours, maybe a little bit more than that to get. And as, as I was headed out, I heard on the radio that the winds were gusting so much that they had closed I-95 crossing the Susquehanna River. I thought, well, I'll go, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll go. The, the, the Route 40 bridge is lower, so I'll go down that. Well, that one was closed. And so I had to go north up the east side of the Susquehanna. I went up to the Conowingo Dam, and that was closed because the waves were crashing over the, over the, the dam there that has the bridge right on it, or the, the road right on the bridge. So I went up to the next one, farther up, getting closer to Lancaster now, and that one was closed. I had to go, I don't know where I was, someplace between Lancaster and York before I could cross the Susquehanna River. Then I got on Route 30 and took Route 30 over to Interstate 83, brought that down into Baltimore. Finally, it took me three and a half hours to get to the airport. Fortunately, the winds died down after I picked up uh, Emily and DJ, and we were able to come across the 95 bridge (laughs) when we came home, so the trip home wasn't another three and a half hours. What a crazy thing. The only way for me to establish and to continue my relationship was over that one bridge. And as her father, you believe, you know that I was going to do everything I could to go, over, to go the way that I could in order to get to that relationship. Jesus is the only way to have that relationship with God. And it's trust through Jesus. Jesus is the bridge. That leads us to this experience of God that we were created to have. There is no other way. This is what Jesus says 
to us. Remember Jesus' words to his disciples that night before he died. Thomas asked him, how do we know the way to where we're going? Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. Jesus is the bridge that we must cross to have a relationship with God. And then Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Look how cynical the disciples even are. The night before, as Jesus is being killed, it's happening now. There is no time left. They still don't fully understand and they still don't believe. We'll be satisfied if you show us the Father, Jesus said. I have been with you all this time, Philip. How many parents have said that? I, I, I have raised you, my child, to do such and such. You can't do it yet. Sorry. <laughs> Our children will be there with their own children someday. I've been, I've been with you all this time and you still do not know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does work, His work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Here's the challenge to us. Trust Jesus. At least look at the work that Jesus does in the lives of others. Their witness is true. We don't get this witness. We have Scripture. Many of us, we didn't bring our Bibles today, and I got a Bible on my, on my phone. It's still the Scripture. It's the witness, the testimony that others who have tested Jesus and have proven Him to be true have told us today. And it was my mother who gave me her own witness and her own instructions, telling me to confess my sins to Jesus, and he will forgive me. And I tested it, and he did. And he will forgive you also. Test Jesus. Rely on him. Trust in him. Truth is a reality. The pathway to that truth is a relationship with God. The pathway to that relationship is trust and friendship in Jesus. Jesus is the bridge we must cross. Have you trusted Jesus so that you experience the truth of God? What keeps you from trusting Jesus, if anything? Let's have a moment of prayer time as we continue to worship and the singers come and they lead us. I want to ask you to stand if you're able with me and let's continue as we, as we worship. But I also want to invite you to, if you want to come to the platform area to the edge here and kneel, you'll be far enough away from the singers. But also, I also wear your mask if you want to come. But let's, let's trust Jesus with those things that we need to let go of. How are you at not letting your heart be troubled? Bring your trouble to Jesus. Let Jesus come into that door, into your life. Leave your troubles here and ask him to show you the Father. He will do that because he is true. He is not lying to us. Test him. Let's come together. Let's sing as we pray together.
Father, we thank you for being with us today. Thank you for coming and reminding us and proclaiming to us who you are. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Help us, God, as we leave this place and we go from here to carry you because you are in us by those who have faith in you. So the Father is in us also. May we be the body of Christ to our world, going forth, sharing your love, giving your word, giving peace to all who come to you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you have a great day. Thank you.